0: What happens when two dudes, one, a retired Navy SEAL commander in Colorado Springs, and the other, a hippie meditation teacher in New York City, get together to discuss living mindfully? That's a great question, because we don't know what will happen either. Raw, uncut, and unapologetic. Welcome to Men Talking Mindfulness with co-hosts John McCaskill and Will Schneider. Each week, we take an authentic dive into how mindfulness continually impacts our lives deepens our relationships, and allows us to be emotionally alive. Now, on to the show. Hey, today we're going to speak about something called masculinity contest culture. Here's a little taste of what we're going to dive into. This is a quote uh, from an article that we'll reference a little bit later. At work, this pressure to prove I have what it takes shifts the focus from accomplishing the organization's mission to proving one's masculinity. The result? Endless, quote, mine's bigger than yours contests, uh, such as uh, such as taking on and bragging about heavy workloads or long hours, cutting corners to out-earn others, or taking Unre- un- unreasonable risks, either physically in the blue-collar jobs or in decision making, uh, like rogue uh, traders and fi- or financiers. The competition breeds unspoken anxiety because, admittingly, anxiety is seen as weak and defensiveness. Uh, you know, blaming subordinates, for example, for any of your failures, uh, undermining cooperation, uh, psychological safety. Uh, trust in coworkers, and the ability to to admit uncertainty or mistakes. Together, this creates miserable, counterproductive work environments that increase stress, burnout, and turnover. The source of this quote uh, is from a Harvard Business Review article entitled How Masculinity Contests Undermine Organizations and What to Do About It by authors, three authors, Jennifer uh uh, what's that, what's that, John? Bertel. Jennifer, uh, Bertel, Bertel, uh Peter Glick and Marianne Cooper. We have the link here. We'll drop it in. So our, our conversation may raise some questions or more questions than answers at this point. So we anticipate uh, we anticipate this will be our first of a few conversations on this topic. And we can also shift this over to our new sub-series that we're calling Masculinity 2.0. Before we go into any deeper We'd like to welcome you to Men Talking Mindfulness, where each episode we do our best to demystify mindfulness and make it meaningful to you. I'm Will Schneider, coming to you from the Big Apple in New York City, and your co-host and my co-host and friend and brother from another mother, John McCaskill, is over there in Col- Colorado Springs. What's up, John? How hey, brother. Feeling-
1: how are you? Man, I'm, I'm feeling great, and uh, I'm excited to get in this topic. It really is so important, and I know that the 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 title of the show, Men Talking Mindfulness, right? And you may think, okay, so what does the, the masculine contest culture have to do with mindfulness? Well, not everything that we cover is directly uh, related, but it is tied to, and we'll get into that in the, in the conversation, but you know, having compassion for your fellow human being, um, you know, having some type of knowledge of who you are, and not feeling like you have to compete. We're going to get into a lot of that, but it's tied into mindfulness and how mindfulness may be able to help to reduce that desire to compete um, Mm -hmm. needlessly. Now, I'm not against competing um, when it serves a purpose, but just needlessly competing for the sake of competing or to, to mean others or to make others feel less than, that's what we're here to talk about. And that's why it's kind of tied to masculine toxicity, um, and, and how mindfulness can help with that. So I think it's an important topic. Very excited to get into that. That said, we got to kick it off with an opening practice. If you've never listened to the show, watched the show before the way we we do things here, Will and I kind of bookend the show, the, the meat and potatoes of the show with a practice at the beginning and a practice at the end. And that serves multiple purposes. One, it gets you as our audience, our listeners, our viewers, Practicing it gets you calm and focused on what it is we're talking about, and then three, it gets us calm and focused on what it is we're here to talk about so that we could be better hosts and we're completely transparent about that because, hey, we're not buying into this <laughs> toxic masculine contest culture because we are human beings, and we know that you see us as that. So wow, I think I rambled on way longer than I'd anticipated, but here we go. let's do a ground in practice, brother. <laughs> I love it, John. Bring it. Bring it, brother. I'm
0: loving it already. Right. Thank you.
1: All right. Go ahead and get into a position that is both comfortable and safe for you, whatever that may look like. If closing your eyes is safe and comfortable, I invite you to do that. Otherwise, obviously, keep your eyes open. If you're driving, if you're doing anything where closing your eyes is dangerous, please keep your eyes open. And let's just bring your attention to your breath To the here and the now, by focusing on your breath, that tunes out some of the noise, be they physical sensations or emotional sensations, thoughts, anxiety, stress, depression that may be in your life. Focusing on the breath helps to tune some of that out, even if just for a short period. Helps to tune it out for your body, your mind, and your nervous system. So focus on the physical sensations of the breath, of your breathing. It is your breath. Focus on how the air feels as it enters your body and how it feels as you exhale. Notice what the air is doing as you inhale Expanding your lungs, expanding your chest and your belly. And what is happening to your body as you exhale? Your lungs are getting smaller. Your chest and belly are contracting. Feel that. Notice that. Be aware of it. <coughs> And if you've noticed that your mind has started to wander off, that's okay. Your mind is meant to think thoughts. It's completely natural. Just bring it back. Bring it back to your breath, that anchor. Just like a ship tries to float off from an anchor, your mind starts to float off during a meditation, but you can bring it back with that anchor, the anchor being your breath in this instance. Let's close with three deep cleansing breaths together. Begin by breathing out as much air as you can, bringing your navel to your spine. (coughs) Breathing in, deep in through your nose. Holding at the top and relax, letting it go. Nice and slow, focusing again on the physical sensations of the out breath, the exhalation. Holding at the bottom. Deep breath in. Hold at the top. And relax, letting it go. last one together. Deep breath in, in through your nose if you're able. Filling those lungs all the way. Holding at the top and relax. Now, when you're ready, start to bring some movement back into your body, move your head around, <clears throat> shoulders, bring some micro movements, as we discussed on the quench episode on how to stay hydrate. bring those into your body, stay hydrated, stay young, stay, stay really uh, just feeling great. So here we are in, uh, in Men Talking Mindfulness, and we are here to talk about masculinity contest culture. Well, how do you want to kick this off, man? It's been a while since, just, since it's been just you and me.
0: Well, how about I tell a story first? Yeah, of, let's do it. An experience it. of exactly this. Um, so I used to work in a pharmaceutical company before I became um, the hippie in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, um, I was about, I was, I think it was, uh, I was maybe, I was transitioning out. Like I was like taking a month of working part time and, 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 uh, with the company, but also taking this one month, it was actually the month of May in 2003, uh, where I was like kind of working my way into New York and but also leaving this job. And at the time that I was working at this company, we we're doing some, uh, you know, we worked really hard. I was at the company for several years. I was working uh, actually in a very good team, like it's very diverse team. Uh, uh, it was all men, but very, very um, uh, ethnically diverse team. And, uh, um, we were working, I was working in, in a division called biopharmaceutical development. I was growing, uh, bacteria, um, that had some sort of, you know, drug in them. And, and it was like this whole process that took us a, a years to get to this process. And so we had a lot of hands in the pot, you know, there was definitely, uh, you know, the people that had, you know, uh, higher levels of education masters or PhDs were, you know, definitely, uh, more of the upper echelon in this organization. I just had like my bachelor's and I was only working there a few years, not only, you know, I was a very integral part of this. Mm -hmm. Um, but there is this, we're, we're doing this reaction overnight because sometimes they had to run for several hours. And, and, uh, so it wasn't just like a nine to five thing. It was like several hours. And then after like a 12, 18 hour fermentation, we'd have to harvest it and and push it down the, you know, the kind of, um, the assembly line, if you will. And, um, uh, there was this one evening that uh, 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 something went wrong. I heard it, I wasn't there this particular evening, but I heard about it the next day or the, or the day after where we're running this reaction. And uh, someone made a choice which uh, really messed with uh, this particular reaction in which we had to dump like two days of work, essentially, is what we would have to do and then start over again. Right. So right there, you know, not unwillingness to admit mistakes and take responsibility for your mistakes. What they tried to do is they try to fix it uh, with um, in this particular reaction uh, with a very high acidic acid. Like, I don't know if you know, concentrations in uh, acid, but it was like uh, uh, normal or forgetting normal uh, concentration. So it's a very, very, very high con- concentration. So they were trying to reduce the pH of this particular reaction in order for the culture to continue to thrive and continue to grow. Um, and the, the acid that they put in, it was such a high concentration in order to pump it into the reactor. It started to actually eat the, eat the tubing before it went into the reactor, Hmm. which caused toxic fumes and all this other stuff like that happened. And it was overnight. So it was only like a small group of people that were there doing this. It was like maybe, I think it was like three people that were involved in this process. Um, and, uh, nobody heard about it like so i heard about it um, from the guy that i knew that was there that night that i worked with on on this team um and uh they kind of pushed it under the rug right um one of the other persons that were i was actually involved in this was a safety officer right Uh, about two or three weeks after this whole thing went down we had a big company meeting to talk about you know just to talk about the company and they always have like the safety officer step up and talk about, you know, things that went wrong and potentially how to improve them. And this was not mentioned at all, where it wow. was like, it would have been considered like one of the, I mean, it should have been considered very harmful. We could have learned a lot from that process. Um, but because of what we're talking about here and what will we'll define what masculinity that, um, from this article will define, you know, the, um, the criteria or, or define what the masculinity, like the four, there's four main elements uh, of what it is. And, uh, a was, contest. was literally part, what's that a masculine uh, contest culture, yeah. right. Uh, was actually part of exactly what I just spoke of. Um, and it was uh, all men that were involved in the, in this whole thing, yeah. um, which I thought was very interesting. So, um, so let's just try to just read, just read what they are. Well, Here's, I mean, um, yeah. Let's, yeah, let's
1: unpack ahead. that story a little bit. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah, please. Yeah. So what we're, what kind of started this conversation was that HBR article and the, yep. the point of the article was what this masculinity contest culture does to organizations and how it yes. undermines what organizations are typically trying to do. They're typically trying to one, increase their bottom line two increase mm-hmm. innovation. Three ideally have a culture of acceptance and some type of psychological safety um, yep. and, and then physical, literal safety. You know, you want to have a a workspace that is safe. And it sounds like that particular incident, um, undermined all of that. I mean, they, they could have learned, they could have learned from the mistake. They could have said, Hey, you know what, we screwed up. We, what can we learn from that? So they could have gotten better and innovated from it. So boom, that's undermined because they didn't address it to psychological safety. Yourself and others were wondering what the fuck, right hey hey some major thing went down and we're not addressing it and nobody here feels comfortable to bring it up so you're not in a psychologically safe environment uh yeah. there's there's so many reasons that is a, a, a like a prime example of the dangers of this masculine contest culture in an organization i mean it's it's dangerous in many ways we talked about right before the show how this uh, you know what? What we see as masculine contest culture in organizations is a microcosm of what we see in the world. Uh, I mean, what, what right. we see happening overseas right now, what we see happening sometimes within our own um, within our own country, within our own borders. And I'm not going to get hyper political on it, but it uh, yeah, it you, does man. cause a lot of problems from you know the micro scale. Maybe it's in sports as a as a young young man or a young uh, masculine type all the way up to literal wars being started over this stuff um so but right.
0: yeah let's now take that find it and and talk more about it yeah what it is well here we go so this is from that article um you know and it says there's four masculine norms which together define masculinity contest culture Um, And these emerged as highly correlated with each other and with organizations that are dysfunctional. And just to give a little background here in this article, they went into uh, they spoke to thousands of different people in various different companies and then came up with these four things. Not like you just made them up. Right. They actually questioned the workforce. And these are the four um, norms that came up that that define masculinity contest culture. Number one, show no weakness. It goes on to say here, a workplace that demands swaggering confidence, never admit doubt or mistakes, and suppressing any uh, tender or uh, vulnerable emotions. And they say in here, quote, quote, uh, no sissy stuff. Number two, strength and stamina, a workplace that prizes strong or athletic people, even in a white collar work, uh, or those who show off their endurance, you know, by, for example, uh, working extreme long hours. Um, number three, put work first, uh, a workplace where nothing outside the organization, a workplace where nothing outside the organization, uh, for example, family can interfere with work where taking a break or a, a leave represents an impermissible, uh, lack of commitment. And number four, dog eat dog, a workplace filled with ruthless competition where winners, uh, Typically, the most masculine focus on defeating losers. The less masculine, and no one is. Tr- and this is really key. And no one is trusted. Those are the four norms. And I, I read them. I'm like, oh my god! Like, why would anyone want anyone would want to work in a place like this? But so it's really sad. Is this is the way a lot of in America, um, a lot of workplaces are? Like they, yeah. they literally they keep playing this game of masculinity contest culture with these four, uh, norms and, and expressions really of, of how people are doing work.
1: Right. And in that article, they referenced the game of Thrones environment, basically where, where people try to one up one another and, and really ultimately sabotage their colleagues. So now they're not, they're not seen as colleagues. They're seen as competition. And it comes back to right. our, our episode on the, the scarcity versus abundance mindset. But quite often, okay, there you, go. You, know, you know, organizations are set up that way. Like you have peer reviews, you have uh, some type of ratings. In the military, at least in the in the, in the Navy, we had this system called Fit Reps. So fitness reports. And I, I know the other branches have their own uh, similar examples of this but basically it's a rating system you write hey what have, what have you done over the last year um, to serve both the organization and, and the country and then you're racked and stacked against your fellow people in that same rank that wear the same insignia so like for me example I, I'm a I'm a seal when I got out I was a commander I was ranked as other, or ranked against other SEAL commanders in my organization. So, like it would say, number one of five uh, SEAL commanders. It would literally say that on my fitness review. So when I'm walking around the hall and I see my fellow SEAL commanders that I'm brothers with, there's still a kind of a desire to compete against them. And if I wasn't number one, then I would be thinking what did that other person do to get number one? And what do I need to do differently over this next year to be number one next time? Because those, right. those ultimately go into whether you get selected to command an element, whether you get sec- selected to move up in rank, uh, whether you get mm-hmm. selected for a specific position as far as like location. I mean, a lot goes into it. So there is, unfortunately, that dog eat dog in the military. And then as far as the you know, outworking one another, <clears throat> there was this, there was this uh, saying that we had in the military when people wanted to take, you know, a break to spend time with their family, if they wanted to take leave and spend time with family, <laughs> there was the saying, well, well, a family, well, the military didn't issue you a family, the, the military is only concerned about what we issued you, and we didn't issue you a family in your sea bag, um, you know, and that's, that's said tongue in cheek, wow. but it's, it's also, there's truth to it to the point where in the military again, at least in the, in the Navy, um, we had every year you accumulate 30 days of leave and you can accumulate as much as 60 days and then you start to lose it. So it's called use or lose. They're like, hey, if you don't use your leave, then you're gonna lose it. And people prided themselves on how oh, much yeah, leave yeah. they stacked up and how much leave they lost. Like, I remember guys saying, well, I had 92 days on the books last year, but I lost because they took, because they accumulated more than 60, they lost 32 or, or whatever. They lost some exam, but, and they prided themselves on that. So that, you know, that's the, that's the military side of, of things. Um, and I think that it's not just the military, but that's my experience, right? So yeah, I'd love to talk more about this and unpack it a little bit more and how, the yeah, dog yeah. eat dog, well, dog and the rankings hurt everyone.
0: Yeah, yeah. Again, show no weakness, strength and stamina. Yeah. Put work first. Dog eat dog. And I gotta say, John, I think um, in order to to bring forth and tell me if I'm wrong, the best sh- soldiers possible, this competition is is important in some ways, right? Yeah. Because I think it really, you know, it really drives you to dig deeper to be more of a badass, if you will, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So, sure. so there is like, so I'm not saying competition at all is is negative. You know, I mean, I think it, it definitely there there is, you know, I've heard I forget uh, the book, but like even there's like when we when we when we, uh, when we try that the sperm are competing to fertilize the one egg. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's that our most basic level. You know, there yeah. is some competition that is hardwired in to our humanity, um, and and it's interesting that it's the sperm from masculine, right, that right. is in competition, Man, it get, you know, it gets with one a sitting there. <laughs> it gets started What's so that? early. I said it gets started so early. Yeah, it so does, early. it does, it does. So it's I think there's like, day. you know, yeah, you're, exactly. And I think there's, there is a balance here because I think there is a place for healthy competition in the workplace for sure, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think it also comes down to how we speak of it, how we reward it um what the goal is right yeah what the goal is
1: right, is the goal um you know personal progress or is the goal progress for the entire organization right like hey right. you know setting the the values and expectations the vision the mission of the organization and is your competition in line with those values in line with that mission in line with that vision and if it's not if it's strictly to move yourself up the ladder then there's something wrong if what you're doing is going to undermine the values mission and vision of an organization you're doing something wrong um yeah i definitely definitely agree that there is time and place for competition and then you have to evaluate how you're doing it as well
0: well let me ask you john you know because you know from what I know, you know, from being with you, you know, I think Stealing Fire really woke me up. The book by Kotler and Wheeler um, uh, really helped me open me open my eyes to, you know, SEAL teams. And I think that's a real key word, teams. Yeah. Um, so how, if you would, do they leverage uh, or actually merge, if you will, the competition within the group, you know, I'm one of five SEALs on my whatever physical ranking, right? And yeah. then work to be like hey we're a team we're a brotherhood because i mean every time that you talk about your seals i I love when you say they're they're my brothers because that means you got their back and you're really looking out for one another and because in you know serious combat missions like you need that more than anything else and the competition you know i'd imagine goes to the side in those very heightened circumstances so so what is like is there training involved in order to solidify more of this brotherhood and this harmony as a team you know um and and, and but also the competition there as well if you want to kind of dive in yeah. bit, i think it i mean like
1: like we said just before is that competition can be good and and it can even bond you right like we'll go out to the shooting yeah. range and we'll have a shooting competition like you have to move from one um barrier to the next do like combat roll, crawl through a tunnel, whatever, and and shoot these different targets and you time yourself or you are timed. And, you know, at the end of the day, everybody's time is thrown up on the board. Everybody's uh, number of targets that they hit is thrown up on the board. And there's bragging and there's hey, high fiving. And then there's some there's some fun like, oh, man, uh, you know, John, you sucked on that one. And, and it's, I, I think there's I think there is. I got to be honest. I think there's some value in that. Um, yeah. Even, even, I mean, even the, the the fun poking, right? But doing it in a lighthearted way is one thing. Doing it in a, John, you fucking sucked on that one. That's <laughs> Yeah, different. undermining, that's, right? That's yeah. different, right? Really undermining, right. demeaning, making feel less than. Um, yeah, there, there's there's a difference there and there's a fine line. And as a leader in the SEAL teams, you have to watch that. Yeah. Like you have to allow for some of it because it does make everyone better if we're competing and if we're better as individuals, we're going to be better as a team. And ultimately we're going to be better on the battlefield together because that's where the true enemy is. Um, But you know, I've got to come back to um, I got to come back to this because it popped into my head as you were meant, you were talking last time. The The ironic part of all this will is that I would never have come to meditation and mindfulness if it weren't for competition. Uh, I think I've told this uh, yeah, story before. That. Yeah, explain yeah, that. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've told this story before, but uh, for those of you who don't know, I struggled with my own stress and anxiety um, after a particular operation in, in, the, in the SEAL teams, and it caused me a lot of survivor guilt, and I went to go see a counselor, and he recommended mindfulness and meditation to me, and I laughed at him because I thought he was a weirdo, and I thought meditation and mindfulness was for a bunch of weirdos. And then he said, well, what if I could give you something that would give you an edge over your enemy or over your buddy next to you? Because in in a, you know, special operations world, that's what you're looking for is an edge. You're looking to outperform your enemy and that enemy could be the enemy on the battlefield, but it could literally be your buddy right next to you. And when he said that, I was sold. I was like, yeah, give me whatever that is. And it just so happened Mm. to be meditation and mindfulness that could improve your performance.
0: So right, give you a started,
1: competitive edge. Yeah, it gave yeah. me the competitive edge. So I actually started mindfulness and meditation for the performance enhanced, enhancing aspects of it. And I know that's shallow. I, I fully know that now. Yeah. But yeah. looking back on it, it's ironic. I hadn't even thought about it until you started talking that yeah. I would not have started meditation and mindfulness if it weren't for the performance enhancing aspects, the competitive edge that it would have given me. Um, but all, ultimately, it also gave me... Compassion and wherewithal, and an idea of who I am, and it helped in in so many other ways. The competitive edge was a minuscule piece of it, um, but I just I had to bring that up. I thought it was ironic uh, that I wouldn't yeah. be here speaking to you today about mindfulness if it weren't for my right. own desire to to compete to be better.
0: Right. <laughs> Well, I think there's uh, there's that healthy competition. Here's an example, and then I, I know it's like we're, I feel like we're going off on a little, not a tangent, but like here's an okay. example, John, that that we together are living right now, and we can promote this as well. Is our, our whoop team, our men yeah. talking mindfulness whoop team? You know, like I uh, am making all sorts of changes in my life, um, so I can. I mean, so I can be healthier, right? Yes. But what's driving me to be healthier is to see uh, the group, right? Cause yes. we're, we're, I think we have 11 or 12 members in, in, yeah. on, in our team, right? Men and women yeah. are involved in this. So and, let's just explain what well, well, Whoop is. Yeah. Go ahead. Go. Whoop. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah so love it. Love it.
1: Yeah. For the audience. Um, it's right there. That's what Whoop yeah, is so right I'm, there. John. Literally, Whoop. Yeah. We're both wearing it <laughs> on our wrist. It's, it's a wearable, you know, tracking our biometrics, it tracks our SPO2, it tracks our heart rate, it tracks, right. Tracks our uh, heart rate variability. Uh, yeah, there the it app. is. So Will's got it up on his phone, Whoa. and we have yeah. it tracks all that. But then it also racks and stacks all those things against a group. Against yeah. so like literally, it tracks how much sleep you get, and then it racks and stacks your sleep against the rest of the people in the group and i'm right there with you right. will I, I wake up in the morning and i check that thing i'm like how did my sleep rack up against everyone else's? <laughs> you know, right, right. Did I, did I get enough strain through the day so it measures your strain whether or not you worked out whether you got your heart rate up enough times through the day and it racks and stacks that and i'm, right, I'm like right, okay right. i've got to get on the treadmill this morning for no other reason so it's embarrassing, but it's also hey, it's a motivator. It's, it comes back to our exactly. episode on, on so accountability. Exactly, I'm so inspired by it. Yeah, yep. It's,
0: it's, yep. A, it's, a,
1: it's, a, it's a digital accountability method, and you know, I get on the treadmill or I get on the bike or I go out and run, so that I'm not dead last on that so on that stack. So this comes back to the healthy competition, <laughs> right? Is it is right, it healthy? Right. Yeah. Now, if we obsess about it, or if we get right. on there. If we get on the group, because there's a chat function as well, if we get on there and we start dogging one another in a mean, demeaning way, then that's where yeah. the the toxic masculinity contest culture is obviously yeah. undermining right. the point of the group. The point of the group is to support one another, and it's great. We all get on there We're like, hey, great, great job. Good to see you guys. Got some sleep. Good to see you guys. Got some workouts. Great, great work. That kind of thing. It's supportive. It's not right. competitive in a negative way. So I think that's the difference. Yeah.
0: Well, also, if you're really obsessing, I mean, because because it it, it it tracks. We're just get, we're plugging the shit out of the whoop right now. Yeah, we, we got to bring them <laughs> on the show, which is perfectly fine. It's a great. I mean, I can't believe how incredibly inspired. I literally, John, I did not smoke weed last night to go to bed, so I can literally elevate my HRV, HRV. which is yeah. so important, heart rate variability. And I was, I woke up my HRV was up. I'm going to do it again. Tonight. You and I had almost you know, the exact L- same
1: metrics last night, by the way.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. But also those metrics, right. They're measuring three things. So if you want to be obsessively like crushing your competition on the strain, which could be cycling, biking, swimming, walking, hiking, whatever it is, right. Strain activities, stuff that that is really uppering your heart rate and, and really activating the body, but also parts of this other two are sleep. So you have to get good sleep. So if you're obsessive and Want to work, you know, want to crush everybody, like that's probably gonna affect your sleep. So you're not gonna sleep yeah. well, so you're not gonna rank well, but also your recovery as well. Like the downtime in between the strain and your sleep is very right. important. So I right. love the harmony that Whoop kind of brings in to being a well-rounded, healthy, competitive human being. Because if I don't sleep well, I'm not gonna rank well. If I don't sleep well, my strain is going to take a hit. My recovery is going to take a hit. Right. But also, right. if I'm not stressing myself with strain enough, uh, my sleep won't be as well. And this, like, so anyway, I, I, that's a great example of healthy competition. And I really wish I'll plug it again and we'll find a way. I think it's on our LinkedIn and I'll find a way that you can join our group if you're part of the Whoop community. It's like actually some of the most fun I'm having right now. But also on the back end, we have a chat room that we're, uh, you know, actually helping each other. Like, hey, John, I saw. I remember I saw last week. Mm-hmm. Hey, John, I could see your heart rate was way up, and this and that. Yeah. So we're yeah. actually um, in a mature way, um, uh, really helping to support each other and get each other's back by literally being connected by a technology that is monitoring our health twenty four seven. So uh, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy the whoop and, and what it's doing for me and what it's doing for our group, and and I really open it up to more of our mindfulness men talking mindfulness community because uh like i said it's a real true inspiration uh for me to find ways to continually be more more healthy and if i'm healthier then i'm more focused and then i actually i naturally have that competitive edge if i want to use it (laughs) so right now we come back we come we've made it
1: all the way back to the conversation hey here we go here we we go yeah we did it so um so let's see um <laughs> our, our executive assistant put in the chat. Hey, we need to get paid for this ASAP because we did such an amazing plug for Whoop. It, it was, it was, it okay, was I love the off, Whoop. Man. Like, somewhat off, but hey, we're we're, yeah. we're supportive of it. So uh, let's come back to the, uh, you know, the contest culture, the negative sides of it. Yeah, um, you know, the the bullying, the there the arrogance, right? So like, what it does to individuals aside from the person who is displaying it. And then what it does to that particular individual. So, you know, if if somebody is displaying this contest culture, this masculine contest culture, they're making others feel smaller, feel less than. But what they're right. also doing to themselves is fake they're faking themselves out and making themselves yeah. feel more than when really they're they're really not that great. So um I'm sure everyone that listens or most of the people that listen are familiar with the co-working space or the former co-working space, we work. Um, yeah. I, I worked out of a, a WeWork for a while. Um, it, was a, it was an interesting and lively culture and uh, that the CEO, Adam Newman, was like this, this uh, superhero. He was a unicorn that WeWork was a unicorn amongst like uh, the startups. Unicorn is a, a, a startup that is valued at over a billion dollars. And at one point, WeWork was valued at 44 billion dollars. And then almost overnight, we were tanked we were tanked yep. and there's a there's a great yep. documentary now a show. my wife and I are watching this show called we We crashed," and it's really fascinating yeah, to see uh yeah it's it's a fascinating show, man, but it's really right. fascinating to see how he built himself up to be almost godlike, and initially people gravitated towards him, and then right. And then he got so arrogant that he, he started taking risks that were not going to have any type of return on investment. They weren't risks Stupid. worth taking. They were just, they were just for his own arrogance. They weren't for any right. reason to actually grow the competition or grow, sorry, grow the, uh, grow the organization. It was strictly for competition and arrogance. And, right. uh, and they ended up tanking because of it. And nobody had enough WASTA or gumption Um, to stand
0: up to him, to stand up to to him. particular fortitude. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, if you will. Um, uh, yeah, very true. I mean, I'm watching it right now and you're just watching, you know, the arrogance, you know, to come back to, you know, those four pillars. What do we say? You know, it's, uh, um, you know, put work first. He was working all the time. All you know, time. strength and stamina he's working all he would always say i'm working 24 7 i'm doing this i'm doing yep. this how much do i care you know um you know i mean dog eat dog was is an interesting one in that case uh because i didn't see him definitely he was trying to devour oh, no
1: dude absolutely we saw it like there okay. you know the other within the company spaces.
0: as much if, okay yeah, oh yeah. yeah
1: within the company maybe not but it right. against the other co-working spaces um again there's healthy competition but he wanted to crush the comp- uh, the other competition rather yeah, than co- cooperating right. with the other co-working spaces, he he demeaned them uh, in the Oh that's right he know, bought them yeah. out or something like that. Yeah, yeah well yeah, he not yeah. only bought them out but he literally demeaned them um, and made them feel less than again. So it was it was a no, dog, that's eat dog. True I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um
1: like when they're sitting in his office, right? And he's not paying uh, attention to what it is they're saying. Yeah, and they're like, Adam, bad. we would we'd would like to talk to you. He's like I own 40, 47% of the co-working spaces in this, in this country. Um, the rest of you guys don't own, you know, as much as I do. And he made them feel less than, so again, it's, it all comes down to, and it really, this is tied to toxic masculinity, right? Toxic masculinity and masculinity contest culture. They're, they're definitely much, definitely very much intertwined. Masculinity in and of itself is not bad. no. But it's part of it, nature. Yeah, but yeah. when it, when any type, whether it's femininity or masculinity, when they start demeaning others for how they are, that's when it becomes toxic. That's when it becomes yeah. painful. And again, you know, this this brings me to a point that I know we want to discuss, the two of us, is yeah. this masculinity contest culture. I have seen it as a, I do some culture consulting organizational culture consulting and I have seen it among female exclusive organizations and not they're not female exclusive because hey it's just for females it just happens to be the the way that that particular industry is it's majority females and the there's been um, times when I've gone in and interviewed the women in these organizations and they're like well it's just women being women it's just women being catty And what Mm -hmm. that what that leads to is like women, when another woman comes in, a a new hire woman, um, they look down on her and they make her feel less than. And they even they tell me that it's like it's a contest to see how quickly they can get that new woman to quit.
0: Yeah, or cry, or something, or cry, yeah.
1: And so that that though it may be among women. It is still the masculinity, masculine contest in them. culture. It's, yeah. yeah, it's still the masculinity yeah. contest culture.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I um, uh, yeah. I mean, I I, 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 you know what? In that same company, John, um, that I talked about earlier, there's yeah. was this one group that was all women, all women. There was like, um, and they're all in their same own building, which I thought was interesting. There was like twelve of them, and you can see the pecking order. Right. And you and you can also see, you know, I thought it was really interesting that um, I went over there and I cross trained, you know, so not only did I cross train, you know, because they were doing a cell culture, I was doing microbial and they're very different. Like one's a eukaryotic cell, one's a a microbe and they behave very different in culture. They behave very different in the fermentation reactors and, and they require a different set of skills in some ways. And I just wanted to learn something different. But also at the same time, I was kind of being trained, being a man, stepping into an all feminine space was kind of like was really shocked at like uh, just some of the conversations they're having. And and, uh, and one one of them was all about uh, in this particular uh, in this culture. And at that time, it was like there were some women that were married and some of them weren't. And a lot of it was around their relationships and oh, wow. and, 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 who's in, and who's engaged, you know, and not engaged, who is close to being engaged what's the ring going to look like. And I was like, just shocked, you know, that I'm like that, that, that it seems to me in that regard, uh, it just, it, it just seems so petty. And I was like, what, like, this is what we're talking about. Like, this is like, what's important to all of you. Like, you know, like, you know, so I, and honestly, John, I don't know where that comes from. But what what I what my feeling is 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 uh, this comes from the very heavily um, masculine and male dominated uh, way that we've been doing things for the last several thousand years. So I feel like a lot of women have been pulled into this masculinity contest culture uh, just by being like. A, just by rubbing elbows, right. Uh, and continuing and living in organizations that have typically, um, um, I mean, this is written in 2019, you know, so this isn't something that was written 20 years. Ago. This is still very prevalent today. Yeah. Um, that women that are working and being influenced, um, and, and, you know, and they're definitely, you know, men and women both have, um, feminine and, uh, and, and masculine energies for sure. Uh, But it seems like the masculine energy, which, you know, uh, Lindsay wrote here when I talked about the sperm, you know, she wrote all all wars have been started by men, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and, uh, you know, and even uh, 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 whereas the feminine nature is seen, it's been shown as different. It's more everything that I've learned because my my second yoga training, John, uh, that I did in 2012 was with a woman. And the reason I was gravitated towards this woman is because she was doing a divine feminine um, uh, yoga program. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just said that in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, everyone's going to think I'm weak. Everyone's going to think I'm this or that and the other thing. But I literally moved in that direction because I grew up a very hyper-competitive athlete, you know, crushed competition, exactly what we're kind of talking about here. Like I've never, I've always been, put me on the basketball court, like I could really be a fucking son of a bitch, I got to say. Like, because I'm like literally taking people out of their game Right, so I could dominate and crush them. But that's like that's what competition is. And sometimes it might not be the best way to do things, but it was effective, and we won. You know, uh, right. and it might not have made the best friends in the basketball court sometimes. Uh, but you know, it is healthy competition. Like, look at um, uh, you know the well, MMA. I, 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 I want yep.
1: before you get into the the health competition in sports. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to come back to what you just talked about with the with the women in that one building that were kind of off by themselves and how they were still there was still a contest culture there and you Mm. feel that that comes from them rubbing elbows with with men um and they kind of see that and they emulate it if i if i understand what you were saying yes Um, yes exactly yes and and i think this is where we disagree we may actually have our first On the air disagreement.
0: (laughs) Bring it, John. I'm gonna crush you, John. Oh, I'm so gonna crush you, bro.
1: (laughs) So I think you know it's not it's not them rubbing elbows with men. It is what you just said. It's the it's the masculine energy Mm. of wanting to Mm. be better than others, Mm. and that can be that masculine energy, like you said, can be in men in men, and it can be in women the masculine energy is, is in all of us. So is the feminine energy. And we, we can, um, tap into both of those for good. And we can tap into both of those for bad. And I think where, where the contest culture comes in, where again, where we're demeaning others, where we're having to prove that we are better, we're having to socially validate ourselves over and over. That's the masculine, Contest mm-hmm. culture coming into play and the toxic side of it specifically and it's not necessarily because of men But it is definitely because of the masculine side of things um, and, and here, you know are having a, a Disagreement if you will, I think it's it's important to understand that people can disagree and not um, Despise one another not hate not become enemies and that's another place where a contest culture comes in. As soon as someone disagrees with you as a masculine energy, yeah. you feel offended and you feel right. that you have to right. defend yourself or crush them. That's why there's so much right. crap on social media. Like if somebody disagrees with you yeah. on social media, suddenly there's an all-out war on social media. That's why there's so much crap in, in any place where there's a disagreement is that contest culture of having to be
0: better, of having, of having to be right? Is yeah, is, yeah. Is no double. shit, no shit. That that's another big one, John. It's like um, unwilling. Well, two other things I'll I'll mention. It uh, might not, and and I think I, they haven't talked about in the article, but it's definitely part of this culture: is um, unwilling to unwillingness to apologize, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And the other one that I just uh, missed. Oh, un, un, unwilling to admit that you're wrong. Right. Which is like it comes back to that psychological safety aspect, which is a big part of this. You yeah. know, and, and another thing I thought in this article and anyone else listening out there or anybody, everyone that's listening to this, it's like without psychological ch- safety, meaning you have trust within the organization to take risk. It devastates innovation, yes. it devastates the opportunity to do new things, to try new things. Right. Whereas, think about it. It's called a co- uh, cooper- uh, it calls a, a co- uh, corporation, which requires cooperation, okay. which requires yeah. collaboration, which requires a, at least a mindset of openness, psychological safety. You know, listening to one another, being patient, apologizing, admitting when you're wrong. You know, um, you know. They talk about this article. Uh, one of the ways that men masculinity and masculinity culture uh, express themselves is taking stupid ass risks coming back to Adam Newman. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, I don't care what it takes. You know, I don't care yeah. if you double the price, double the square footage, double the right. legs. I don't care what it is. I just want to be the biggest. I want to do the best. I want to crush the competition. And honestly, a new word I learned today, John was vainglorious. Oh wow. Reading this article, vainglorious, which means, and also being Uber, super prideful so everybody's looking at you as the superior everyone's looking at you as the alpha right vainglorious right and that and a lot of this comes back um uh you know to that need to 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 be seen as the highest and what i will also say john i don't necessarily disagree with you about this feminine uh masculine uh aspects and energy we talked about because during this uh uh, divine feminine training i did the woman i worked with uh who, who led the or uh, uh the training she was wonderful at this breaking it down uh was the way the energy of the masculinity energy are are um uh, uh how expressed masculinity uh is very linear in nature right? Very linear. And that's why we have like a pecking order. That's why we have a hierarchy. And that's why I feel why we continually play this game of masculine contest culture, because we're trying to one up each other, you know, and be the top of the heat and and be seen and, and, and experience, right. Or that vainglorious, right. Or uber prideful, whereas, um, feminine energy is circular, right? So this is where, you know, um, uh, more like, uh, bring it, bring people together, you know, um, uh, build the home, right? Like make the nest, right. Whereas the man is out there typically trying to, you know, provide for the family. And this is, you know, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm getting into some wonky waters right now, but, uh, <laughs> this is like, but right. This is what the way it's been explained to me, but this is also the way that this is also expressed just biologically in a lot of ways. Um, you know, like this linearity and masculinity, right. And this circular nature within the feminine, uh, and what I was trying to do, John, and why I went in this divine feminine way is because like, I wanted to get deeper in to that divine feminine quality so that I can be more of just a whole, get the fuck out of this game. Right. It doesn't serve me at all. Right. And find a way to, to be a better man, holistically have a whole self. Of like, and I think that's one of the reasons why 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 we work so well so well together, um, as well as like because I literally have worked in order to to be more patient, to listen, to step back, to uh, admit that I'm wrong, to apologize when I need to. Because I have no problem doing those things because it just it just creates an environment and uh, uh, around me and the people I'm relating to that it's like. I've, that it adds that psychological safety. People are willing to be open and talk to me. And what happens in those cases, John, when you have that environment, that's when innovation occurs. That's when the, the biggest creativity occurs. That's when we're able to really accomplish things together, right? Because, like, a man is not an island or a human being is not an island. It takes a, it, we are able to build this, this incredible fucking world that we have by working together. Yeah, because if it was just one man trying to build the Empire State Building. It's not going to work, right? You know, or whatever they're trying to build. But yeah, and I gotta.
1: So uh, you know, I think. Um, sorry, I, I just had to interrupt before I, I lost this thought. No, go and for I know, it. I know though. that no, goes against idea. everything that we talked about in the in the Le- leadership by listening episode, but yeah, you, talk, you talked wow. about you know the the trouble in saying I'm sorry, and mm. um, in Daniel Coyle's book, The Culture Code. He talks about the importance of psychological safety of belonging to an organization and seeing a future for yourself in that organization. If, if you can have those three things, you're going to, you're going to feel a part of the family and the organizational is you, you're going to go far. But a lot of it starts with people being able to say, I am sorry. Um, and he talks about specifically, he talks about the SEAL teams again in this book mm. and he talks about one of the big things that that we do say to one another, and it's three words: "I screwed up." And being wow. able to say that, yeah. being able to say that, um, builds trust. It it builds that psychological safety, and it builds a sense of belonging, which ultimately mm-hmm. grows the team, grows grows what it is we're wanting to do together. But it also saying sorry, admitting that you fucked up. I think that is one of the hardest things to do and one of the things mm-hmm. that takes the most courage to do. So because it takes the most courage, because it shows vulnerability, honestly, I think it's one of the more masculine things, ironically, that yeah. you can do. Yeah, And mm-hmm. we, for some reason, do not celebrate that. When somebody says, I'm sorry, I was told, I, <laughs> this is ridiculous, especially since I just said that in the SEAL teams, we say I screwed up. There is there is room for error. <laughs> there, um, I was told in BUDS, that's that's SEAL training. Um, mm-hmm. I had an instructor pull me aside because I had said sorry in front of him to I had said sorry to one of my guys in front of him. And he said, sir, never, ever apologize to your men. And I heard that And I was like, I didn't say anything because I was just, I was, I was a student. He was an instructor and you kind of hold the instructors up here and you're a student down here. But in my mind, I was thinking, that's fucking ridiculous. Why would you not apologize to your people? Why would you not apologize to your men? Right. Well, he, he had, uh, he had it in his mind that saying, sorry, was the weakest thing you could do. Um, yeah, but, but, um, that all said, man, I know you have something from Leviathan with Thomas Hobbes that you wanted to bring. Oh in. yeah, good. I'll I'm, you, I'm glad uh, you're going to let me read yeah. this. So let's uh, let's talk about it. So we're, yeah, we're not going to um, get to everything in this show. We're not going no, to no, no, no. But multi-part episode or multi-part. Well, I feel episode. we
0: just opened. We're opening. Sorry, John. Uh, we're, we're opening Pandora's box here. For sure. We can just unpack this, unpack this, unpack this. And, and, and like I said earlier, when we started the show. Uh, we're going to bring these conversations uh and grow this conversation in our masculinity 2.0 and what we're trying to do in masculinity 2.0 is upgrade masculinity right so go. we have you know with help, healthy competition being willingness to say we're wrong apologize all those wonderful things um but here's a, a, here's a reading uh by um this this was actually they talked actually at the very top of the article uh the new York Times says a new york times investigation describes uber right which is a company right as a uh hobbesian uh environment in which workers are pitted against one another and where a blind eye is turned to infractions from top performers okay so i was like what the hell is this hobbesian or hobbesian you know environment so i started going down some rabbit holes and i locked on to this um this is an article um by Richard Tuck, I'm just going to read a little piece of it, um, and and the, the title is Hobbes, a very short introduction. This is from Hobbes. Oxford, Oxford in 2002, right? And what uh, Thomas Ho- uh, Hobbes, sorry, Hobbes, okay?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: what Thomas Hobbes? Uh, he wrote a book called Leviathan back in 1651, uh, which which also in, influ- influenced John Locke. Right. And John Locke influenced the Declaration of Independence, John, in this country, which. So think about it. Like, you know, so anyway, just give a little backstory. It says, And uh, one thing that in Leviathan that Hobbes tip, uh, uh, is, uh, talks about is the state of nature. OK. Hobbes develops his account of the state of nature from the claim that human beings are naturally equal. By this, he means that each individual possesses the natural right to preserve himself. And furthermore, the natural right to claim all things or seek all power that he judges necessary to his ends—to I mean, necessary to this ends—according to Hobbes, this rough equality of ability leads each person to have an equal hope for acquiring goods, uh, good things for himself or, 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 or their self. As individuals strive to accumulate goods, they compete with each other, and consequently create an atmosphere of distrust. The attempt to acquire things and preserve them from the encroachment from the encroachment of others causes us to try to dominate and control those around us. Furthermore, Hobbes observes observes some people care some people care particularly to be known. As that sort of, uh, that sort who can dominate. They are uh, vainglorious and proudful individuals who are unhappy if they are not recognized as superior. Last thing I'll read. These three things competition, distrust, and desire for glory throw mankind into a state of war, which uh, for Hobbes, the natural, uh, which is for Hobbes, the natural condition for human life the situation that exists whenever natural passions are unrestrained. This state of war should be distinguished from wars as we usually experience them. For in the natural state of war, every individual faces every other individual as an enemy. It is the war of every man against every man. The total absence of collaboration makes us miserable and renders life solitary, poor, Nasty, brutish, and short. Boom. Boom. How there's can a we lot to unpack there. Anything else other than that, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really actually, you know, one thing I'll say, John, before we close, uh, I, I was like reading this, and it sounds like there's a lot of paradox and a lot of like contradiction here in in in, in Hobbes' work because he also does talk about um, uh, from the stuff that I read just on this particular art- article by Tuck um, that there is also that other side. Of, of 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 competition and instead there's like a harmony which i was like wait so i actually i reached out to clark um who is like the professor at pittsburgh who's been on a couple right. episodes um and i was like hey man can you help me uh, understand this or i just felt like i was like putting myself back into a classroom and wanted to ask a million questions because this really lit me up um and this conversation has really lit me up today john and uh thank you for 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 having such a wonderful healthy Pandora box. Pandora box opening conversation. Just, we just cracked
1: it. We just cracked it so far. We just
0: cracked it, but a lot of shit came out. A lot of like a lot of <laughs> stuff is right. flying that's the thing out of here.
1: Pandora's box, man. Once you once you yeah. crack it, you yeah. can't close it.
0: <laughs> and, and I'll tell you what. Anybody out there listening, and and you want to. Um, you know, please like comment on, uh, send me a message, send us a message we'll be posting on our LinkedIn and Instagram. And if this has lit you up and you want to comment and, or actually, and help us further discussion with uh, some of the things that you're interested in, please send us a message. I think Lindsay talked about opening up potentially a dialogue box on mindfulnesscom where you can put some comments, uh, and, and, you know, reference things if you need to. Uh, but John, I, I'm always great to talk to you. I'm so glad that we have a such a healthy environment at men talking mindfulness. And this includes Lindsay and, and our other people that we work with as well. Um, and uh, you know, we're healthily trying to compete to definitely be the top mindfulness um, uh, podcast out. And if we don't get there, I really don't give a we're fuck. Gonna I really enjoy. Yeah, crush, we're going to crush Yeah. We're going to crush them. I love what we're doing, John. And I think that <laughs> love and that passion and desire to help other people will eventually take us to the top, whatever that looks like. Um, okay. So there's my little end rant. Healthy competition. Video, John. Healthy competition,
1: man. Well, uh, why yeah, don't you bring the yeah, home, exactly. man, with the, the closing practice?
0: Okay, great. Awesome. Whoa, everybody good. Let's just close your eyes if you can. Let's just do a few simple breaths and just really bring ourselves home into our body, um, which is where so much of this truth, so much of this healthy competition, so much of, of who we can be rests. But the only way to get inside is starting to breathe and bring yourself home to your body. And sometimes you just need to get out of your mind in order to do that. And the breath is that healthy way to get into your body and come back home. Let's exhale the breath out the mouth. Let's take a beautiful, smooth inhale through the nose, really big through the nose, big breath in. Just hold that breath at the top here for five, four, feel that balloon in your torso and a nice relaxing sigh out. Let's just do a few more of those. Big, giant breath in. Keep going. Inhale. Hold that breath here again for five, four, three, two, one, and exhale out. Ah, Very nice. We'll just do a couple more. Inhaling. Holding five. Exhaling smooth, let it all out. One more. Inhale, five. Holding. Exhaling easy. All right, beautiful. Let me bring some of those micro movements in. And open those eyes. Oh, come back to the world. John, I, I, I could not be happier right now. Thank you so much, John, for this time right on, and for your ears yeah, really. and your heart and your passion for the show and for everything that we're building, creating together. So thank you.
1: Agree, agree 100%, man. I agree 100%. Though I am a better man than you, just so you know.
0: No, oh, <laughs> just today, John. Just today. I'll beat your ass tomorrow. I'll check you out in the whoop. Watch. I'm yeah, going to sleep better than right. you tonight, John. I'm going to crush gonna, you on the whoop right? I'm going to kick your ass into sleep, John. right?
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, thanks for joining us, everyone. Will, as always, such a pleasure, brother. I love you, and I love what we're doing together. I love you, our audience, for your support and your listenership and your viewership. Please help us to grow the show because, hey, yes, we, we do enjoy seeing our ratings grow, but we also like to know that this message, the message that we're spreading is getting out there, the message that we are getting that we are putting out there is spreading, I guess is a better way to say it. And so please share this show with your friends, your family, give us the thumbs up on on, uh, YouTube, subscribe there, Uh, give us the ratings, everything else. We appreciate you. So that's that. Until next time, take care.
0: Peace. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, John. Thanks for joining Will and John on Men Talking Mindfulness. If you enjoyed the show, Please like and share it with your friends and family. And please, we would appreciate a review too. Until next time, this has been Men Talking Mindfulness. Thanks for showing up.